Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome to Lake Kick is Live. It is Thursday night, September 30th, the year of our Lord, 2021. This is certainly not Nashville, Tennessee. This is certainly not our studio. It is an undisclosed location in an exclusive Lake Kick bunker somewhere in the state of Georgia. That's about as specific as I want to get right now. I'll talk about that a little bit more as the show goes on. But we don't have time to talk about location because the show is, as always, jam-packed tonight. The bad news is my voice is shot. We didn't even get to do a Lake Kick extra podcast today because of that. Had to save up for tonight. We plan on doing a normal length show. I've probably got like 15 minutes of voice, which stands to reason something's got to give here. Uh, And we're on the road. So, hey, a lot different. But what remains the same is is jam-packed. I mean, we've got potentially a historic Saturday ahead. I think a lot of folks are looking out there and they're seeing sort of the undercard. We're going to touch on a lot of those games tonight. But you see the bigger matchups, the Arkansas against Georgia, the Ole Miss against Alabama, the games we already broke down. A lot of people are calling for the dog to cover there aren't nearly as many people calling for the dog to win outright but if that were to happen that's really when it's game on like if Alabama and or Georgia lose that's really when it's game on so I'm going to break down some more games because we already did those around the SEC Florida's got a big weekend LSU and Auburn have big weekends Texas A&M no one's talking about the Aggies they're all looking ahead to next week when they welcome in Bama they got a game this Saturday at home where they are favored by a grand total of one touchdown You may not even know who they play. We'll talk about that in just a second. Also, several other games around the nation that I don't think we've touched on nearly to the but that's what made Thursday for. So we're going to touch on that. And also this whole Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin dynamic, a lot of people talking about that, a lot of good writing out there about that because they play this Saturday. That's the game we'll be at, by the way. But man, I was thinking today as I was driving into, if you want to call this our studio, our studio And there's an angle on this I don't think anyone's picking up on. I mean, everyone talks about how it revitalized Alabama, how it really revolutionized offense there. It did all that. It saved Lane Kiffin's career. It did all that. But that all's in the past. There's someone right now, there's a program right now that is in dire need of what Alabama had injected into that program because in part due to Lane Kiffin. So we'll talk about all that. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. We were about to Man, we're rapidly closing in on 70,000 subscribers. So thank you for that and continue that momentum. All right, let's dive in here. We got to go all around the SEC. It's a big weekend in the SEC because Arkansas plays Georgia. It's a big weekend in the SEC because Ole Miss plays Bama. But we already broke those games down. If you want to see those picks, they are available both in podcast form and on the YouTube channel. But let's talk about some of these other games coming up Saturday. I mean, it is a banner day in the SEC, so much so that they're pushing one of these games, the one we're about to open with, all the way to a 9 o'clock Eastern time kickoff. That is where we begin, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. What about this Auburn at LSU game? You know, this time last week, I was telling you, LSU's got to win at Mississippi State. They've got to win in order for that staff to basically salvage their futures and to salvage a season. And that sounded a little bit stark to the point, but I, I believed it. They got through that. Well, now the reward is they get to come home 
and they get to play Auburn. The line on this game is three and a half. That's what LSU is favored by. Auburn hasn't won in Baton Rouge since like the Clinton administration. It's been a long, long time. Three and a half. What do we think? That's essentially home field. So what do we think about the fact that odds makers are telling you, we kind of think they're even teams. Have at it. Take the home field and have at it. Look at the play splits in this game. At halftime, independent. if the score is close, I want you to do something for me. And I want you to just take a look at the box score. And I want you to see how many plays have been run. Not necessarily time of possession. How many plays have been run. Normally they correlate. And keep in mind that in route to a win last week, LSU's defense was on the field, I think, 88 plays. They had the old double snowman there. Here's my concern for LSU as we dive into this game. My concern is they have not been able to run the ball. I don't think they'll magically find their running game against Derek Mason in this Auburn defense. And so there's a lot of volatility. There's a lot of variability here. If LSU, Max Johnson, if they're really in sync on third downs early on and they sustain some drives and put some points on the board, LSU will end up winning the game and you can forget what I'm talking about. But if there's a lot of three and out, if if there's some clunkiness to LSU's offense early on, here's the problem. The problem is Auburn's, they're more than capable of being every bit as physical and then some as UCLA was in week one. And remember when those critical metrics started to shift, the amount of plays run on top of everything else, that's what I'm concerned with. I'm concerned that at halftime, even if the score is close, I'll check that box score and Auburn will have already run 44 offensive plays to LSU's 27. That's going to add up. In a four-quarter game, it's going to add up. And in the fourth quarter, if Auburn can have this thing one possession either way, and they've tilted those metrics, that fourth quarter, I think, will be there for them. And with that in mind, ran it through the model. The model put this like right at a pick em. I think Auburn's going to end up winning this game. In the least likely year for them to win the game in Baton Rouge, I actually think this is the year Auburn's going to win. I don't have a ton of confidence in this. I have my hands on my hips as I'm making this pick, which, of course, I never do. But I'm going to take Auburn to win the game. I think last week's close call against Georgia State kind of grabbed the collar of that program a little bit. And there was a firing of a wide receiver coach this week. So it feels like they're in turmoil. Nothing solves that and nothing extinguishes that quite like a win. This would be a really big one for that program. Uh, Let's talk about Florida. Florida's on the road. They are favored by somewhere between eight and nine points, depending on where you're looking right now. They're at Kentucky. This is a Saturday Five o'clock Eastern time kickoff. I told you there's some weird kickoff windows this Saturday. So you're looking, if you look on the screen right now, if you're watching on YouTube, that number's at seven and a half. So that's moved even since I started taking notes on this thing this morning. I told you a couple of times, and I'll tell you once more, I think what both of these teams were able to do last week has been very overlooked. I appreciate the fact that Florida got up off the deck in an emotional and physical letdown spot after they played Bama, and they ended up pulling away from Tennessee. That is not a bad thing. That's a very good thing. I don't care that it was close at the half because every football game we talk about is four quarters long. That is a feather in the cap of that coaching staff. That's something that in the past, maybe they wouldn't have been able to pull off. And then conversely, or not conversely, kind of on the same side of that coin, Kentucky. I think they won by one possession at South Carolina. And you may look at that and you may say, well, big deal. It is a big deal because they were minus three in turnovers. Kentucky on the road in conference losing the turnover battle by three should mean they lost the game by double digits. If you figure every turnover is worth X number of points, we think somewhere between five and a half and six, they should have lost the game. And not only did they cover, they ended up winning the game. That's a big deal. And so now we move into this game that everyone's got circled and you don't have to worry about it being off the radar. I'm way more confident in Florida and the confidence grows week by week, not only because of what I just talked about, 
but also because Florida can do something this year that we have not been able to count on them doing. And that's have a really good offensive line show up and therefore a really good ground game show up. When you can do that, that travels. It goes with you. Doesn't matter if you're playing in Gainesville or on Neptune, or in this case, Lexington, Kentucky, that'll travel with you. That's very exciting. Because what that also does is it removes the, the, the wild swings and the ups and the downs and the ebbs and the flows. You get a lot more used to seeing one consistent product out of them. And so I think that's what we'll end up seeing Saturday. Now, having said that, they're taking Kentucky's best shot Saturday. Please don't misunderstand me. Kentucky will empty the chambers here. This is a Super Bowl-type game for them. They're getting them at home. It's a big recruiting weekend for the Cats. But what I think this will end up feeling like is I think it'll feel like Florida's in control the whole game, but yet you'll look up in the second half and Kentucky will be right there. You will say probably to someone sitting next to you, you'll text your buddy, you'll say, man, it feels like Florida's dominating this game. Look at how many yards they have. Look at how many plays they've run compared to Kentucky. Because what's going to happen is I think Florida's going to put together a few long drives to score. And I think Kentucky's just going to, they're going to piddle around and then pop. The old piddle and pop, if you will, offense. If it hasn't been created already, it should. And they'll pop enough big plays on Florida to where they're answering. They're answering in chunk plays, but they're answering. In the end, though, I think Florida does outlast Kentucky. Now, I went with Kentucky in the points, anything over a touchdown. But I do like Florida to win the game. I think it'll be competitive, but I do like Florida to win the game. How about this one? This is one that's totally off the radar. What do you think about Texas A&M Saturday? And your answer right now is half likely to be, who are they playing? Exactly. No one's paying attention to Texas A&M right now. You saw them lose to Arkansas. You know they've got Bama coming up somewhere. That's next week. They play Mississippi State Saturday. We told you in July, this is the biggest ambush spot perhaps on the entire SEC schedule this year. Texas A&M is favored by seven at home against Mississippi State. So that's counting for home field. So I mean, we're talking about well under a touchdown spread between the two teams on a neutral. Uh, the totals in the mid-40s. One of the biggest ambush spots because you've got post-Arkansas, pre-Bama. you got Mississippi State coming in there. No one expects anything from them. They just lost to LSU. So it's season salvaging time for both teams. And I'm, I'm looking right now at what Texas A&M is as an offensive product. And the problem is when you can't stretch the field, when you can't sustain drives, when I cannot count on you to put some offense together, you don't blow anyone out, uh, Mississippi State included. You're not going to blow anyone out here. And I'll tell you this, too. If Mississippi State continues to limit the run to the degree that they have, they can win this game. This I, I don't know if you guys would know or not because not a lot of eyeballs are on this game. This would not be a shocking upset. Uh, you know, we picked Louisiana Monroe last week, plus 24. They beat Troy outright. That was pretty surprising. This would not be nearly as shocking as that. So here's what Mississippi State needs. They need to limit that run. They need to have A&M, you know, three and a half, 3.75 yards per carry, somewhere in that range. And then they need to pop them a couple of times. They basically, Mississippi State needs to do to A&M what Arkansas did last week. Arkansas didn't have a bunch of sustained drives in their own right but they popped him over the top a couple of times, poor tackling in the secondary for A&M. If they're going to be lethargic, this is the spot to catch them being lethargic, they being Texas A&M. I went with A&M to win this game, but the line seven, I went with Mississippi State to cover. I think it's that close. I think it's going to be a one-possession game. So those are some more picks around the SEC. Remember, we took Bama to win. We took Bama to cover, controversially so, and we took Arkansas to cover and Georgia to win. This is a great Saturday in the SEC. You've got 
from noon until 9 Eastern time. You've got kickoffs happening about every two hours, and it's going to be really, really fun. I got to tell you a story right quick. It's going to be really quick. So I'm, I'm down here in Georgia. Just a little while ago, I was up at a park that ironically is named Pate Park, not named after me, but I lie about it a lot. And uh, so I'm, I'm watching all the t-ball games and all the baseball games, and all the chairs are lined up. And it was so beautiful because there were academy chairs all over the place, almost like it was a late kick ad, almost like we were filming a commercial out there, but we weren't. But man, there's a lot of academy gear in Harris County, Georgia. I can tell you that. And everywhere you're tailgating this week, there should be as well. Academy.com is the website if you can't get out to the store. But Academy Sports and Outdoors, we are so proud to partner with them. They've been great to us. You've been great to them. And so in return, we're all just going to be more and more great to each other as time goes on. Sort of a circle of life sort of thing. But Academy Sports and Outdoors, not only the official sporting goods supplier of our show, also the Big 12, the SEC, it's going to be a phenomenal tailgate scene, especially the next two weeks. And as the weather starts to change, you need to get some new gear. You're going to get it anyway. Go to Academy Sports and Outdoors or Academy.com, and they will be more than happy to hook you up. I have got one, two, three. Hey, I got six games to talk to you about right here. We're going to do it sort of rapid fire. It is a beautiful Saturday. Again, I cannot emphasize this enough. I want you guys to just think about what could be happening. I mean, we've got we've got Texas fresh off having hung 70 on someone, and they're favored by, what, five points on the road against TCU. This is a noon kickoff. There are a couple of players last week, if you did not see the TCU-SMU game, that did not play. Corey Bethley, big-time nose tackle for TCU, and Kari Coleman is probably their best edge rusher. They didn't play last week. They're back. Those are game changers. Please don't be just so lazy to look at the finals last week and say, oh, this is free money. It's not, friends. Free money does not exist. What is the outlier, though? That's what we got to ask ourselves. Because TCU got beat, rested, no less, last week against SMU. Texas, we have seen them both get blown out and blow someone out. we got to figure out what the outliers are and what the norm is. And this is an odds maker pretty much telling you, well, we think it's somewhere in between. We don't quite know where. So if you're overly confident in Texas, have at it. Uh, need not remind our Texas fans out there what this series has been like lately. So if you think it's free money, I would just encourage you a little Google search, TCU Texas series history. But B. John Robinson, Zach Evans, what a running back matchup here. I am going to go out on a little bit of a limb or go out on a limp, as our brother Lane Kiffin would say. I'm going to take Texas to win, and I am going to take Texas to cover. It may be a little bit square in nature. I do think they found something with Casey Thompson. He's got some insane streaks going on right now. So give me the horns to win, horns to cover. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Michigan 
is at Wisconsin. This is a point spread that also does not make sense to someone who is not regularly immersed in the odds making world or doesn't bet. I'm not encouraging, I'm not encouraging you to dive in. I'm just trying to explain to you what's happening right here. Cause you look at it and you say, Michigan's undefeated. Wisconsin's got two losses. They can't stop turning the ball over. Why would Wisconsin be a two point favorite at home or anywhere versus Michigan? Well, there's the turnover situation first off that is never carried over. Like odds makers will watch you turn the ball over, over and over and over again. They are not factoring that into future spreads because there is coming a time where that offense will balance out for Wisconsin. And the other thing is for the first time last week, we saw someone limit Michigan on the ground. That being Rutgers, the final, I think was 20 to 13, which was well inside the spread. And so an odds makers looking and saying, well, if Rutgers did that, Wisconsin got one of the best run defenses in the country. And that is where the most interesting facet of this game kind of inserts itself. There's this weird split among people who follow Michigan. There's a split. And and on one side of the fence, there are people who think, well, the reason we're running it is because that's all we can do effectively. Uh, Cade McNamara in this offense, we don't have any explosivity. We cannot be consistent through the air. Then on the other side of the fence, there's this other camp that believes, oh, it's there. It's there. We just have not had to pull it out yet. I think I'm a lot more in line with Camp A than Camp B. But I will tell you, if Camp B is right, they will be the reason Michigan wins this game. They're not running the ball very successfully on Wisconsin. And what I'm very interested in is if this becomes a game where you have to rely on a quarterback to win, which one do you trust more? Graham Mertz is turning the ball over left and right. Uh, Cade McNamara, we, we aren't confident what he can do with his maximum potential or capability. I, I I went back and forth all day on this. I rode Wisconsin last week, and they led in the fourth quarter and lost 41-13. The only way that happens is turnovers. Very misleading final. I'm going to go right back to the well. Not betting on them, but I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to take Wisconsin as a short underdog to win this game outright in Madison. And uh, Michigan, their first loss, if that is to happen. My favorite Big Ten game of the week is Indiana at Penn State. It's a night kickoff. Love, love, love Penn State in this spot. It's one of the first best bets we had of the week. Uh, We got the game when it was at Penn State minus 10.5. I think it's all the way up to 12 or 12.5 right now. I love everything about Penn State in this spot. You remember what happened in this game last year? It was the first of you know what became several bumps down a very, very rocky hill for Penn State. But this is a superior team. Uh, They have got the home advantage. They've got the revenge edge here. As you see, the line now is 12 and a half. I expect early pressure because I think a fast start is in order for Penn State. And so I expect early pressure to be placed on an Indiana team that has been very mistake prone, very turnover prone. Michael Penix has been very turnover prone in his own right. I think it's going to be a really, really good night for Penn State. I know that number looks big. It's not nearly big enough. I think Penn State's going to win this thing and they're going to stretch the margin. Uh, as James Franklin is one to do. If you've ever bet against James Franklin, you've had a big underdog against James Franklin. There have been more than a few times where uh, he's going to hurry up, you know, up three or four touchdowns late, try and get that cover. He knows. He knows the alumni. He knows who they're betting on. So you see Indiana at Penn State. This is some of the series history. Looking forward to that one. Hey, there's an undefeated against undefeated matchup in the Big 12 that we need to discuss for just a second here. Baylor and Oklahoma State. It kicks off at seven. I can tell you that. Uh, the line right now is, I think, Oklahoma State minus three and a half. I can tell you that. And the reason I'm telling you what I do know is because there's a whole lot we don't know here. It's hard to find a discernible edge. I looked at this game for like 30 minutes today. 
And, and you know, there, there are little ones or twos on the one to 10 scale either way. There is no seven or eight. I don't really have a heavy lean here. I don't know who Oklahoma State is because every game they've had, they've been a different version of themselves. I don't know if Cowboy fans know who they are. This Baylor defense, I think, is good enough to limit them. I think it's good enough to make them uncomfortable. They're still finding their way. It's rare, it's rare that you say that four or five weeks into the season. But I really think that Oklahoma State offense for an undefeated team and a Mike Gundy team, normally that means it's a known commodity, still finding its way. Love the curve that I think they've turned under Dave Aranda at Baylor. I'm going to take Baylor uh, to win the game outright, cover the three and a half, win the game outright in the process. I think the most underrated game of the weekend is happening at UCLA. This is Arizona State at UCLA. UCLA is favored by three. Uh, it To me, it's the under-the-radar game of the week. These are really good teams. We have both of them ranked inside the JP poll, top 25. Dorian Thompson-Robinson went out of the game last week. That's the quarterback for UCLA. It looks like he's going to go. Sam Marazzo is a guy I have my eye on. He is the center for UCLA. Questionable status right now. Can't really get definitive word out there. Otherwise, this is a heavy UCLA lean for me. I like the Bruins a lot in this game. We added them today to the Ramen Noodle Express. So I'm taking UCLA minus three. Of course, that means UCLA to win. And Friday night, oh man, those are just Friday night, tomorrow night, if you're watching live, this is exciting for the Big Ten. I know I told you Indiana at Penn State is my favorite Big Ten game, but this one's got a very special place in my heart too. It's an 8 o'clock kickoff Eastern time tomorrow night. Iowa is a three-point favorite at Maryland. Okay, so it's a very, very stark contrast in styles. It is a classic tortoise versus hare scenario here. I don't have a strong feel on the game. Now, our numbers indicate the line's pretty much right. I've got a sneaking suspicion this is going to be a good night for Maryland. And a lot of you think I'm an Iowa hater because we have them in the 13 range in the JP poll. It's not that. It's not that at all. If if you'll just never mind. I'm not. It's it's not a ranking, guys. If I were ranking Iowa, I'd have them inside like the top six or seven. But it's a power rating. Uh, Iowa, I think they're going to go down. I don't have a strong feel on that, but I would take Maryland. Love the edge at quarterback. I would take them to win. And that is a loaded schedule. Telling you now, aside from the marquee games, we got a loaded, loaded college football schedule this Saturday. But. What I wanted to wrap it up with, and we got some best bets coming up, so this isn't quite the end, but I wanted to take a couple of minutes, and I just wanted to talk about something. We've got Lane Kiffin versus Nick Saban Saturday, obviously. We're going to be in the house. That's where the Late Kick Renaissance Tour is going to take us. Uh, we will be in Tuscaloosa Saturday. But, man, what a story this is. I have seen some websites out there. I, I think Alex Scarborough over on ESPN.com did a really good story about this today. He wasn't the only one, but he's he's one that uh, I took some time to read the work of about just chronicling where Alabama was when they brought Lane Kiffin in, where Lane Kiffin was when Nick Saban brought him in, and where both are now. To me, you cannot overstate enough the, the importance and the magnitude of the decision when Nick Saban brought him in. And there was a lot of talk in several of these features about where Alabama's program was. They were still the number one program or right at the one or two program mark in the country, but things were changing. Things were quickly changing. And it was after the 2013 season, and that's the year where the kick six happened, and Alabama misses out on the playoff, that they end up bringing Lane Kiffin in. And what a shift it was. And it didn't necessarily happen just like that, but it ended up happening. I think they reaped a lot more reward after Kiffin left because of the impact he had 
and, and the ripple effect that it had when Nick Saban hired him. But think about where they were because it eliminated the biggest remaining edge that a lot of programs had. There was talk around the coaching industry. There was talk around just the old college football water cooler in general back then. Here's, some, here's what it sounded like. It went something like this. We're, we're never going to out-recruit Alabama. But what we can do is we can strain them offensively by using scheme. RPO game, for example, tempo, for example. And so we can we can negate some of the talent edge they have over us with our schematic edge. Nick Saban made that famous quote. I mean, now it's like etched in stone. It's so famous. But he made the quote back then. He said, is this what we want college football to be? He was very upset by it. He did not shy away from it, said, I don't like it. Uh, and really, that's where he should have ended it. But he ended up adding some caveats. And I don't like it because of, of player safety issues. Our defensive players are on the field too much. But really, all he was doing was warning you. He just didn't phrase it as a warning. He didn't finish the sentence. What he should have said is, is this what you want college football to be? Because I can do it better than any one of you. But that second part, he did not add that on. But he should have. Well, then he goes and finds Lane Kiffin, who is on the ever-loving scrap heap after getting tarmacked at USC, which wasn't even a verb until Lane Kiffin got fired at USC, if we're being real with ourselves. And so Lane Kiffin comes in. They agree to shift. And Nick Saban wants to go a different direction. I think we need to bookmark that because that is a critical juncture that they were at that another program is at right now. But after that happened, I said it took away a big advantage. Here's the advantage it took away. Nick Saban was comfortable not venturing out into the waters that a lot of the other offenses out there by necessity had already ventured out into. And it was always known. If they ever decide to be really good at quarterback, if he ever decided to overhaul his offense, he can do whatever he wanted to. Like Nick Saban gets to go in the grocery store first so he can make any meal he wants to because he can go get anything off the shelves he wanted to. And it was always known in the coaching industry. If he were to ever decide to run the kind of offense Hugh Freeze runs or Chip Kelly runs, you can name it, whichever one, he'll do it better than them because he'll go hire the most brilliant minds in the game and he will shift his recruiting philosophy, and he will shift his competitive and team philosophy. And he did it. And then all of a sudden, Alabama was scoring 45 every game, and the last remaining edge was gone. Because it used to be that huddle up every play, and they had to execute at a higher level. They ran fewer plays per game. Uh, they were more bunch set. Instead of spread all out over the, all over the place, they did not leverage big-time receivers. When they decided to do that, it took away a lot of the remaining edge that some B and C tier teams used to have that occasionally they could use to sneak up on Bama and beat them with. Now think about the juncture word there, uh, a word rarely used on this show, but there's a program right where Alabama was. Think about where Bama was. It was a critical juncture. Nick Saban has since said as much. He said, I looked around. I saw what beat us when Manziel was at AM. I saw what beat us when Marshall was at Auburn. I saw what beat us when Oklahoma took us down in the Sugar Bowl. I knew we had to do something different and I did it. That's the best in the game telling you my best was no longer good enough. The times were changing. The sport never sits still. We had to evolve, and they did. Nick Saban redefined his program on the fly. He never put Alabama in the shop. There was never a two- or three-year period where they sunk down to eight or nine wins. They never had the down year. Their down year was still New Year's Six-level games. But then what happened? When they hit their next high, it was higher than any high they had ever hit before. And You watch last year's Alabama team. You take the 2020 Bama team and put them on the same field with 2011 or 2012 Bama. Do you understand what happens? Nick Saban would. He'd never tell you. But that's the best team he's ever had. These teams now he's putting on the field, 
They are operating at a different level than the teams he had back in the day. That's exactly where Clemson is. This is the pivot point for Clemson. Clemson is at a place where what they were is stale. They are pond water, and there's nothing fresh coming in. There's no new ideas coming in. It's very closed off. There's no circulation. Nick Saban had a lot of tributaries. That's how Lane Kiffin rose his boat on into Tuscaloosa, and all of a sudden, you've got an injection of fresh ideas. you got new blood. Nick Saban's been very good about doing that. I don't think Dabo has as much. He found something that works, and Dabo said, I'm not going to change a thing about what works. That's only sound principle if everything around you is static. But this is not a static environment. College football is always moving. The tides are always turning, and everyone's gunning for you. What is Dabo Swinney going to do? Because we see what Nick Saban did. We see how it paid off. That's the lesson. It's already been written. You've already seen the results. The question for Dabo Swinney at Clemson is, does he have what it takes to implement that strategy at Clemson? Because it's risky. A lot of these pieces that came out today, they also included a lot of literature on how uncomfortable it was and how, how those two personalities didn't always mesh. And maybe in order to push a program forward, you don't always go out there and find a version of yourself and the, you know someone that you see when you look in the mirror. That ain't Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban, not at all. But they're better, each one of them, for having worked with the other. And so you look at Bama and you look at what they did with Kiffin and then subsequently when they brought in Steve Sarkeesian and whatnot, and you look at what Dabo Swinney and Clemson are right now. That's exactly what they need. Whatever that next version of Lane Kiffin's injection is, that's what Clemson needs right now. Really interesting parallels if you think about that a little bit deeper. All right, let's wrap the show up with this. Uh, we have got, count them, one, two, three, four, five. I got seven picks on the Ramen Noodle Express right now. So far, make sure you're tuned in. Tomorrow night, late night, obviously, the uh, Friday Night Lines Instagram live chat been going bonkers, doing really good numbers, and <laughs> those picks have been doing better than the Ramen Noodle Express. So um, we don't want those to cool off. We want to meet that lofty standard. So what we have right now, to refresh your memory, Kent State minus 15 and a half. We've got Rice minus two and a half, Penn State minus 10 and a half, UL Monroe plus 34 and a half. Kansas State plus 10 and a half. And then the two games that we added today, UCLA minus three. Love that one. And Florida and Kentucky, a rare total here. But we're taking Gators Cats over 55. Remember, you can find everything on Twitter that happens after this Thursday show because this is the last time that you and I talk before Sunday night. So make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram at Late Kick Josh. It is imperative because a lot of stuff changes. I can't tell you how much injury information we get both publicly and behind the scenes, some of our biggest wins in the past have come on Saturday mornings because of random texts we get. Hey, so-and-so is not here. He's not going to play. The public will find out in 30 minutes. Make sure you're following at Late Kick Josh. Appreciate so much your ability to tune in. Our friends with collegefootballunlimited.com, by the way, this is, this is their compound. I'm on a little side set in their compound, but I appreciate them uh, giving us free reign here. I mean, I'm kind of embarrassing the setup so i'm not going to show you but appreciate the ability to do this i'm home uh until tomorrow i'll head up to tuscaloosa tomorrow night looking very forward to being at the old miss alabama game remember game day is in athens sec nation is in tuscaloosa i've already gotten copious amounts of you telling me here's my poster i'm gonna get you on tv saturday so much so that i'm starting to get nervous that i did not get enough chalai of supremacy made and we may have to uh issue a second order but that's okay that's okay, because it's for the best of reasons. 
So thank you so much for our production team all over the place right now. Collins in Nashville. We got our friends down in Fort Lauderdale. We got collegefootballunlimited.com here. Thank you so much. Check their website out, by the way. Really good stuff there. I'm Josh Bate. Have a great start to your weekend. Thanks for tuning in and God bless. Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.